the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. The Congo is reporting two new cases of Ebola um, in the northwestern town and blah, blah, blah. It looks like they're... um, Ebola is believed to be spread long distances by bats, which can live in the virus. The virus can live in without dying. Uh, And this is less than a year after the last outbreak in which eight people were infected, four of whom died. The biggest outbreak um, happened just a few years ago. We all remember it. It it came all the way to to the United States. 11,300 people were infected. Uh, um, I'm sorry, died, and over 2,800, or jeez, 28,000 were infected. Are we done with Ebola? Well, there's a new book out called um, Epidemic, Ebola and the Global Scramble to Prevent the Next Killer Outbreak. Reed Wilson is the author. He's with The Hill, and he's with us now. Hello, Reed. How are you? Hey, Glenn, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, so e- Ebola, you know, I think we're we're sitting here and there's really kind of two schools or two camps, one that roll their eyes and like, OK, well, it, it, everybody always panics and it, it's always fine. And the other side that is like, we're right for a pandemic. We're all going to die. Where where is where are we? Which side is is more accurate? Well, I think the we're ripe for a pandemic is probably correct, although I don't I don't think we're all going to die um, there. But there are definitely reasons to be concerned about the state of the global public health system. It is not adequately uh, prepared to deal with a pandemic, whether it's something that comes out of, you know, the Congo River Basin like Ebola or whether it comes out of a, you know, a bird market in China, like uh, like a, a new flu or something like that. Uh, the fact is the world health system is only as strong as its weakest link. And there are a lot of really weak links out there uh, that in, in places that simply aren't prepared to keep track of viruses that, you know, we don't even know about. You say that it, the, the, the deadliest virus, uh, the, the deadliest case of Ebola that, that happened a few years ago came here to the United States. You said that it was, it's really the story of, uh, of unbelievable and in, uh, inconceivable coincidence that made that thing happen. Yeah, and this is largely because when we talk about Ebola, we're used to talking about places like the Democratic Republic of the Congo. This this small town where this latest outbreak has happened is called Bikoro. It's about 370 miles from the original, the, the first Ebola outbreak that we know about back in 1976. The outbreak that happened in West Africa a few years ago is basically a continent away. It's like the difference between Seattle and Miami. Um, this is an, an area where Ebola had never shown up before. And it's an area where the culture is totally different. In in the Congo River Basin, you know, people travel through dense jungles or down the Congo River. There's sort of there's not a lot of travel. Uh, in West Africa, the culture is much more about travel and trade across international borders and from rural areas into big cities uh, like Monrovia, the capital of Liberia, or Freetown, the capital of Sierra Leone. So Ebola back then was able to. First of all, it broke out in an area where nobody knew what they were looking at. And second, it broke out in an area where it was uniquely able to travel from this remote rural village called Meliandu, this tiny little village in in rural Guinea, uh, to 
cities of a million people that had direct air traffic to Europe, to the Middle East, and to a country like Nigeria. So that's the, the real bad coincidence is that it, it happened in a place where we didn't know, and nobody knew what they were looking at, and in a place uniquely susceptible to actually spreading. And that's why it spread. You say there are 28,000 cases. That's what the World Health Organization actually reported. In, in all likelihood, the actual number of cases is probably tens of thousands higher simply because we didn't know that people had it uh, because this is such a remote area. Wow. Rita, it's interesting. One point that you made in that uh, the, the, the outbreak happened in an area that was relatively speaking friendly to America, which was allowed us to intervene as much as we did. Do you have any, what would it look like if this were to have happened in, let's say, Pakistan or a place that was not as easy for us to be involved in? Yeah, you know, I, I talked to some of the folks who were on the ground in Liberia when 3,000 American troops arrived. And, you know, the, the United States effectively created Liberia back in the 1800s as a, a refuge for slaves, former slaves who were returned uh, back to Africa. And the, the, the big the big moment when 3,000 American troops arrived, you know, the U.S. favorability rating in Liberia is like 99%. It was seen as this blessed moment when uh, the, the great savior had come and, and really was going to help turn the tide on this virus. Imagine what happens if this virus pops up in Pakistan or Indonesia or, or China even, a place, you know, no, a place where the 101st Airborne would have to fight its way in before it got to fight the virus. Um, the other two countries where this Ebola outbreak broke out, you know, Sierra Leone has a very close relationship with the UK. The Guinea has a very close relationship with France. Those are the three countries, the US, France, and the UK, that are best able to respond to a pandemic or an outbreak like this. There are countries that are just not able to uh, respond to something like this, where the United States' help would not be as welcome. And that's when we start worrying that the, the vectors of a virus uh, are able to reach across the globe. Think about it like this. We have, there's a, a booming middle class in Asia and Africa that is more able to travel around the world than ever before. And by the way, there are more Americans who are traveling to other countries than ever before. So there are, just, there are more opportunities for a virus like this to spread from whether it's the, you know, the jungles of the Congo or the, the slums of Monrovia, Liberia, or a bird market in China uh, to the United States, to Europe, to countries around the world. You said, and I, I, I found this hard to believe, um, in your book, you said uh, that um, Thucydides wrote about a disease <laughs> in ancient Greeks that appears to be the Ebola virus. So has this been around forever? Well, the Ebola virus is uh, what's called a hemorrhagic fever. Um, it, it's a phylovirus, a, a very specific kind of, of virus that uh, there aren't many cases, many examples of in the world. Uh, and there is a chance that the plague of Athens, which you know hit during the Peloponnesian War back in the time of Thucydides, about 420, 425 BC, uh, could have been the Ebola virus. Uh, Thucydides himself contracted this virus. He, he talks about how it impacted health workers, which is exactly what happens in an Ebola outbreak. It he talked about uh, people having to rip off their clothes because they felt like they were burning under their skin, which is exactly what happens in an Ebola outbreak. And he said it came from a region of the Upper Nile, which is down in, in South Sudan, uh, which is very near the, the Congo River Basin, which is exactly where the Ebola virus comes from. So yeah, there's, there's a chance that but phyloviruses themselves have probably been around for millions of years, and they almost certainly have come into contact with humans 
humans throughout the course of history. We just didn't know exactly what we were looking at until the very first outbreaks that we were able to identify. I say we, the doctors were able to identify back in 1976. Uh, Reed is watching the Ebola breakout in, in Africa uh, from safely from across the o- ocean until it, you know, ended up in the exact city that we are in right now in <laughs> Dallas. Uh, yeah. it, it was amazing to me. One of the things that I really took out of that was the amazing efforts of faith organizations that went in there and really risked seemingly everything uh, with no regard for their own safety at times uh, going in there. Can you talk about their role in, in making sure this did not turn out to be a lot worse? Yeah, I'm really glad you picked up on that because this is this is one of the really cool stories. And in, in this in this story of you know scary viruses, we can take heart that like this is the best of the world. This is really good people coming together and doing things. Um, in, in you know Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Liberia are countries that are basically divided between Christians, Muslims, and sort of more traditional faith religions, uh, tra- traditional religious practices in in more rural areas. And in a lot of cases, you had uh, Christian men ministers and Muslim imams standing next to each other in front of each other's con- congregations saying, look, Ebola is real. Here's how you defend from it. Here's how you protect yourself. Here's how you can be treated if you get it. Um, it was a, a lot of the faith community uh, that was able to spread the message that, you know, if you get Ebola, you will, you, you will be very sick, but you may survive. And that was a really important message to convey to people. Uh, the initial, you know, the World Health Organization went in and they're, they're their initial message was Ebola will kill you. Well, that meant that a lot of people who got Ebola, they didn't want to go to a treatment center. They wanted to stay at home. And if they were going to die, they wanted to die around their families. Uh, that at the moment made them uh, hugely contagious to those families. So the, the new message spread by those faith leaders that, hey, you can get treated. was really important to getting people into treatment. But it was, but it was the, also people like Samaritan's Purse that came in and yeah. really did some remarkable work. And and they, much the way you are in your book, uh, Epidemic, are warning the United States and the World Health Organization just not prepared. It's just, it's, they were surprised at, wait a minute, what do you mean there's no plan? What do you mean there's not, what do you mean you can't do that? Um, they, they were shocked at how unprepared we were. I think that's exactly right. And a group like Samaritan's Purse, you know, this is an organization that sends doctors to the, the poorest regions in, in the world. And uh, one of the guys who, who, by the way, has Texas roots, uh, Kent Brantley, was a, a doctor in uh, one of the a clinic called Elwa, uh, the Eternal Love Winning Africa is the uh, is the NGO that was running it uh, in Monrovia, and he was treating these these patients. The, the just terrifying part of the, the heartbreaking part of the story is a lot of these doctors started counting the patients who survived because it was easier than counting the patients who died. That's how deadly the Ebola virus was. Ken Brantley did some amazing work, took his family over there, uh, lived in, in basically extreme poverty so that he could serve the rest of the world, you know, people who, who needed it more than, more than he did. Uh, he ended up contracting the disease, and uh, fortunately, uh, the U.S. government sent over what was effectively an air ambulance that they kept on contract, uh, so they brought Kent Brantley and Nancy Wrightbull, who was a missionary from another uh, organization called Serving in Mission, back to Emory Hospital in Atlanta. And fortunately, they both walked out of the hospital after, after a few weeks, uh, and they are, they are completely cured now. So uh, the, the, it's, it is hard to overstate the role of a lot of these missionary organizations in West Africa uh, during this Ebola outbreak. I'd also point to a, country, a, a group like World Vision. You know, a lot of people know World Vision is that company, the, the group that says, hey, spend, you know, 
10 bucks a month and save 30 kids or something mm-hmm. like that. They had something like 56,000 sponsored children in Sierra Leone. They did such good work in Sierra Leone that not a single one of those kids got sick. Wow. 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 Uh, Reed Wilson, the name of the book is Epidemic Ebola and the Scramble to Prevent the Next Killer Outbreak. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.